Amen. You know, we serve an awesome God. I just want to welcome you once again to Memorial Baptist Church, a place of peace. And you know, it's an honor for us to serve our King. My prayer for you this morning is that you are abiding in Christ. That each and every day, each and every moment of each day, that you truly are abiding in Him. And that you're taking your, your notes and your, all, all of the, the things that you are taking in, that you are filtering it through Jesus Christ. Also that, uh, you know, if you're married, that you're loving your spouse well. I mean, we need that. But also if you have children, that you are giving them that unconditional love the same kind of love that we receive from the Father. I mean, we are so blessed. We are so thankful. I want to begin this morning with a word of prayer before we get into our text. But let's pray together. Loving Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Father, we come to this place today and we sit here, Father, ready to receive your word. Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we rely upon you, Holy Spirit. I I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would just cover this place. Father, that even in this time, that you would just take away the, the cares of the world and let us focus upon you. Jesus Christ, you brought a great redemption for us. Father, what is left if we do not accept this great salvation? But Lord, we know that you are more powerful than anything. And so I ask, Father, that you would show us the truth of where we are. Father, that you would just guide us as we seek you. Father, we recognize that we need you. Guide us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, decisions, the decisions that we make are a part of our everyday life. And I, I just want to tell you right now as a, as a way of confession, I've really made some, some bad decisions in my life. You know, some real Lulus, if you will. Some of those kinds that you just almost immediately you regret making those decisions. And, um, you know, but they are a big part of our day. We decide a lot of, uh, you know, what we wear. Um, We decide uh, when we're going to get up in the morning. We decide what we're going to eat. We decide, uh, you know, which radio station we're going to listen to, what we're going to watch on television. We make tons and tons of decisions every single day. And and some of them, you know, are are less than than earth-shattering. You know, they, I mean, they, they just seem like they're just daily mundane choices. But sometimes we make decisions that really are truly important decisions. We may not always recognize it right away, but it may be decisions that have a major impact on our life, like maybe whom we marry, or where we're going to live, or what kind of job we're going to have. I mean, those decisions are are life-changing, major impact decisions. But I want you to understand something, that big or small... The choices that we make every single day should honor the Lord. 
every single day. The things that we do should honor the Lord. You know, in our text this morning, we're going to be in, um, in Joshua chapter 9. And if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, please do. Um, but we're going to read an account of what happens when we have the facts wrong. Okay, sometimes we have the facts wrong and we don't make the decision based on good information and, and good intelligence, you know, like we, we somehow got the facts wrong. But um, the Israelites had been given a clear choice as we continue to, to walk through um, Joshua's leadership and learning from him. Uh, there's a vital lesson in this for us today. Because the Israelites, they had been given a clear instruction. They were to go in to the land of the Canaanites and they were to wipe out all of the people that, that would have been a threat to them. They, they, were, they were not to offer terms of peace only to those people who were in their surrounding borders. But in the land of Canaan, they were to go and take the land. They were, they were to, to do away with the people there. And God's instructions were very clear. God's instructions are even clearer. We have them written down. Okay, and, and, and I just recognize that God's instructions were very clear. They were to exercise God's just judgment on the people that lived there. On the people who would protect Israel from the toxic influence of the nations around them. See, God had warned them not to make treaties with any of the people. Not to make any treaties with them. And, you know, E.R. Beadle, he says this. He said that half of the work that is done in this world is to make things appear to be what they are not. Half of the work done in this world is to make things appear to be what they are not. Folks, that is exactly the case in today's text. Let me show you this. First of all, we have the deception. Okay? There's the deception. And my friends, understand this. When our spiritual vision gets dim through neglect of God's word and through neglect of our prayer time with him, we're very susceptible to the tricks and the traps of the enemy. You know, as told in Joshua chapter 9, there's a people group called the Gibeonites. Okay, the Gibeonites. They are from the city of Gibeon. So they're called the Gibeonites. Okay? And, and they, they deceived Joshua. They were, they were neighboring people to Israel who had become increasingly nervous about Joshua and Israel's winning streak. Okay, they've seen them get released in, uh, from, from Egypt. They saw them come across the Red Sea on dry ground. They saw them just totally conquer Jericho. And then, then the, the city of Ai, they, they, they came, overcame them. And Gibeon is the next city in line. So Gibeon, they're seeing what is going on with this people and how they're coming towards them. And they decide to, that they're going to launch this plan. And they've designed a plan to have Israel become their ally. You know, though Israel's policy was to eliminate the potentially threatening neighbors. 
Well, let's just go make friends with them. See, the deception, though, was to con- convince Israel that they were a distant group, that they didn't, they, they didn't uh, have any threat to Israel's national security. So they're, they're like, um, they, they, they launched this plan. I want, I want to read in, in verse uh, 1 and 2. It says, Now it came about when all of the kings who were beyond the Jordan, in the hill country, and in the low land, and on the coast of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, and the Amorite, and the Canaanite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite heard of it, and they gathered themselves together in one accord to fight with Joshua and with Israel. So then the Gibeonites, they launch this plan. They say, hey, let's just go become their allies. Look at verse 6. It says, Then they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Okay, they launched this plan. They, <laughs> it was a ruse. It was a scam. It was a ploy. Okay? So what they did is they took their, their wineskins and they, they, they made them look old and they, they cut holes in them and patched them and then they, 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 they made their, their sandals look old. They, they, they took things and they, they tried to make it look like they came from a country far away. Like they'd traveled a great distance. Okay? So it says there uh, in, in, in verse uh, three and five, you know, they came with props. I mean, when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done, verse three, uh, had done to Jericho and I and to I, they act, also acted craftily and set out as envoys and took worn out sacks on their donkeys and wineskins worn out and, and torn and mended and worn out and patched sandals on their feet and worn out clothes on themselves and all the bread of their provision was dry and had become crumbled. <laughs> oh yeah, they're putting on a show. They're trying to trick Joshua into thinking they came from far, far away and that they're not a threat. They brought moldy bread with them, you know. Here they are. Moldy bread, worn out clothing. But they also had questionable piety. Okay, look at verse 9. And they said to him, your servants have come from a very far country because of the fame of the Lord your God. And we have heard the report of him and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. So our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us saying, take provisions in your hand for the journey and go meet them and say to them, we are your servants. Now then make a covenant with us. Oh, they sound pitiful, don't they? Coming from a far away country. You know, we can sound pretty pitiful when we want to, can't we? Well, I'm not doing well. I'm, I'm hurting over here. You know, when we're sick and we moan and we groan. These people were perfectly healthy, but they were trying to put on a show. They wanted the, the, the children of Israel to be their allies. And so Joshua was faced with a very important decision right after he entered the land of Canaan. 
when the Gibeonites showed up and they claimed to live far away, Joshua had to reject or accept their plea for peace. Now carefully, Joshua and his advisors, they inspected their wineskins. They inspected their sandals. They inspected the moldy bread. And they came to the conclusion that they were indeed from a far away country. See, the Gibeonites, they worked hard at making things appear what they were not. And they succeeded. See, the Bible tells us that the Israelites sampled the provisions, but they, here's the key, they did not inquire unto the Lord as to where these people had come from. In other words, they trusted their senses. They trusted and they felt that they didn't need to check with the Lord. And we would say something like this today. We would say, well, it's obvious, Ridge, that they came from a faraway land. Common sense would say if their provisions, if their clothes are wore out, that they came a great distance. If their bread is moldy, then it's been there a while. They thought it was obvious that the people were from a faraway land, but recognized things are not always as they seem. See, we take a lot in through our senses without checking with the Lord. See, the Gibeonites, they made a treaty with Israel only to have Israel discover later that they had been tricked. What does verse 15 says? It says, Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. It came about at the end of three days after they had made a covenant with them that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. They were from the neighborhood. They weren't from far away. You guys just live around the corner from us. And you've tricked us into making a covenant of peace with you. See, Proverbs 12, 19 says that a lying tongue is for a moment. Is just for a moment. See, the Gibeon fraud here, the Gibeonite fraud, it, it lasted three days. Now I'll be sure your sins will find you out. Amen. It lasted three days. It was discovered by Joshua that they were absolutely living in the neighborhood. But prior to that, they had already made peace with them. They had already cut a covenant with them. They had already decided that they were going to be allies. Without checking with God, without confirming it, what they did is they made an oath to these people. And nothing could have been more provoking than to discover that they had been duped and swindled. How do you feel about it when somebody lies to you? When somehow you get duped or swindled, man, we say that's a ripoff. That's a ripoff and it angers us and it makes us very angry when we get swindled, when we get lied to and, and duped. And it's always a very bitter experience to find out that your confidence has been misplaced. Have you ever been there? 
where you felt like, I've been such a fool. Why did I believe them? Why did I sign up for that? Why did I send that in? Why did I put my name on the dotted line? They just wanted my address and phone number so they could sell it to other people. We get duped and swindled all the time. And it makes us angry and bitter. But I want you to understand something. That deception is not exclusively uh, is not exclusive to the Gibeonites. The devil... The enemy, Hasatan, the devil will use every means available to convince us that he is not a threat. He doesn't want our attention. He wants to sneak in where where we don't see him coming. He wants to be that ally that is, is brought on by deception. And don't kid yourself, he will use props too. He will use things like our material needs and our wants. He'll use things like our, you know, like personal power or or financial or vocational advancement to get to us. To get anything to get us to believe his lies. You remember in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted by the enemy. He was tempted by the devil. You know, take these bread, this bread and make it Take these stones and make it into bread. He took him up on top of a high pinnacle and he said, cast yourself off. Throw yourself down, literally, because God won't let anything happen to you. And then he took him to the temple and he says, worship me and me alone. And I will give you all of the lands that you can see as if it was his to give. Folks, the devil is a liar. He lies He's the father of deception. He's the father of lies. And he lies to us. And we have these these three temptations of sin. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Three ways that the enemy tempts us. And he lies to us. You see, his best deception of all is the popular belief that none of us, that no one can claim Exclusive rights to God. You know that that no one can, can push their faith on anyone else. But listen, every attempt to reduce the Christian faith, every attempt to reduce it to a politically correct or polite creed is foreign to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, tell them early on it's going to cost them everything. You tell them... <laughs> That I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, all religious faiths are not the same because Jesus is the only way to God. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through me. Pretty exclusive. You can sell it a million other ways, But that is the only way that the Christian faith is real. is through Jesus Christ. See, God is not some higher power or cosmic warm fuzzy whose love can be taken advantage of and whose love for His Son can be merely pushed to the side. You cannot do that with God. God is a just God. He He is a holy God. 
See, the Christian faith holds itself to be the only way to know God. The only way to be saved. The only way to eternal life. John talks about it in John 17. This is eternal life. To know the one who sent me. To know the Father. You see, it's impossible for us to have the victory over the devil when we neglect the very thing which are designed to help keep us strong. I mean, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 27, it says, do not give opportunity to the devil. Don't give place to the devil. And really that word means, refers to a beachhead. Don't give him the place. See, if we give the devil room in our lives, he's going to take full advantage of it. He's going to take full advantage of it. We must always be on guard to avoid his attacks. Don't even let him have so much as a foot in the door. See, that's the deception. That a little bit is not a problem. But a little bit is a huge problem. Here's the mistake. You see, Israel failed to catch the deception because they failed to rely on the the guidance of Almighty God. See, instead, look at verse 14. It says, So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. They took some of the moldy bread, they looked at their shoes, and they didn't take in God's counsel. What does God say about this? (laughs) Instead, they relied on their own intuition. They relied on their own opinions, their own interpretation of the facts, their own implications, and their own wits. Or we would say, well, it's common sense. Is it? If we don't consult with the Lord. Israel made poor choices and was pulled into an alliance that created a critical situation for everyone in Israel. See, when the king of Jerusalem heard about the deception of the Gibeonites, he solicited the help of of several other kings to attack them. And so... They had a treaty with Joshua, and so Joshua had to come to the defense of the Gibeonites. Joshua was drawn into a battle because of the treaty that he had made with the Gibeonites. And at that point, they called on Joshua for his military support. And now Israel's commitment means that they have to go help them. They've made a covenant with them. See, whenever we fail to consult God, we open ourselves up to the possibility of deception. The devil is always waiting, waiting to get us to rely on our own intuition, our own opinions, our own interpretation of life, and our own wits. I've heard people say time and time again, well, God has given us a brain. Indeed, he has. But if we don't consult him in those decisions, we're going to be deceived just like they were. See, there's a lesson in here for us this morning. 
Because we don't have to roll over and give the enemy footholds in our life. We don't have to allow the devil to mold us into his will. We need to be like the Lord Jesus. When he was tempted, he turned to the word of God. And he said on every occasion when the devil tempted him, he said, it is written. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, do not tempt the Lord your God. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and him alone. Every time the Lord was tempted, he responded with God's word. And it caused the devil to flee from him. Because you see, the devil cannot stand in the presence of truth. The devil cannot stand in the presence of the truth. And if you will confront him with the word of God, then the devil will flee from you. Stop relying on what you feel. Stop relying on what you see and you perceive through your senses. Stop walking by sight and walk in the Holy Spirit. He is given to us as a comforter for that reason. So that we can have counsel with God over the decisions that we make. But so many times we don't. We never consult Him. You know, Walter Knight, he told a story about uh, many, many years ago, there was this older Scottish woman, and she would go from cottage to cottage and throughout the, the, the village and the kingdom there selling thread and buttons and, and um, shoelaces. And she would go there, and she, she couldn't figure out. She'd come to a fork in the road. She didn't know. They didn't have a map. So she would take a stick, and she would throw it in the air. And whichever way the stick landed, that's the direction that she went. Well, one day she was seen throwing this stick up into the air multiple times. They said, what are you doing? She said, well, the stick keeps telling me to go to the left, but I want to go to the right because that path looks a whole lot smoother and a whole lot easier. Folks, we do the same thing. When we don't like the answer, we do what we want to do. We keep throwing the stick in the air, waiting for the answer that we want, even though we know that the answer is the opposite. If we want God to order our steps and our stops, we have to say, your will and your way, Lord. Oh, we think we're pretty smart people, don't we? We're all pretty intelligent. Yeah, we can navigate this. We got this, God. But I want to tell you something this morning. If you go your own way, if you go your own way, you could get into serious trouble and you can shipwreck your own life. We know about that, don't we? We've been there. We've done it. And we keep doing it. We keep wrecking our lives because we never change. We never consult with the Lord over the decisions that we think makes common sense. That, oh, I just know the answer to this. Do you? Maybe you should pray about it. 
maybe you should see what God's word says. Folks, I'm trying to, to give us some direction. I'm trying to help us so that when we come to that fork in the road, we're not standing there throwing the stick in the air because that's what we do. But you see, the presence of God, notice the presence of God here. Our, our lives are in such messes. And, and the children of Israel here, they made a huge mistake. They were deceived. But notice the presence of God. Although Israel found itself in a critical situation, God was not far behind. He assured Joshua that they would win again over the enemies. Look at verse chapter 10, verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have given them into your hands. Not one of them shall stand before you. See, God stepped up and he stepped into the battle. This battle that Joshua and the children of Israel were pulled into, the Lord God brought hailstones down upon the Amorites. He brought hailstones down upon them and, and, and an unprecedented move that stopped the sun and the moon so that Israel could win thoroughly. Verse 13 in chapter 10 says, So the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation avenged themselves of their enemies. Folks, only God could do that. God does the supernatural. God's help in the war with the Amorites was a wonderful reminder for us that even when we fail, even when we fail to ask His guidance in governing our lives, He's still there. Even when we blow it, even when we don't do what, what we should do. You know, I, I love this because I want to leave you with a, a word of encouragement today. The late Francis Schaeffer he wrote this. He said, if God will not tolerate the breaking of an oath made in his name, how much more will he never break his own oath and covenant that is made to us on the shed blood and infinite value of Jesus Christ? He doesn't want us breaking an oath in his name. And he certainly doesn't want to break a covenant that cost his son his lifeblood. How secure are we who have cast ourselves upon Jesus Christ as our Savior? I mean, our God is a God of truth and integrity. And though the promises of others may be uncertain, the promises of God are sure. I love this. He promises that whoever comes to Him in repentance and faith will be forgiven. No matter what they've done. <laughs> Man, I got a shot. Thank you, Lord. No matter what they've done, if they, whoever comes to Him in repentance and in faith... We just have to call on Him. 
I'm not talking about cheap grace. I'm talking about repentance. That means when you're walking this way, it means you change directions and now you are going the other direction in your life. That's repentance. Faith is trusting, even when you don't see it, that God is going to do what He says He's going to do. Because His promises are true. He promises that those who come to Him will never be cast away. He promises that when He brings a good work, and He does a good work in you, that He's going to complete that work. He finishes what He starts. He promises that He will lead you and guide you. He promises that He will help pick up the pieces of your life and He will help you to make something beautiful of your life. See, if you have put your faith in Christ, then you don't have to live in fear. Because He said, I will be with you always. He will never leave us. See, God will do what He has promised to do. I love that because we don't have to live in fear. Perfect love. The perfect love from God the Father casts out fear. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid as a believer as we walk in this world. We don't have to be fearful of going home or going to sleep at night. We don't have to be afraid of the dark. We don't have to be afraid of sharing our faith with other people. We don't have to be afraid of not being able to provide. We don't have to be afraid of anything on this earth because we belong to the Father. I mean, that is huge. We should stop walking in fear. We should stop wondering how God's going to pay our bills because He says He will take care of us. We are His children. But we need His counsel. We need to talk to Him. We need to read His Word and and honor Him in everything we do. I mean, when common sense says that a course of action is right, lift it before the Lord. Lift it before the Lord because the path of faith and blessing may be in a different direction, completely opposite to that which we call common sense. Folks, His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What we think may may be detrimental, he may be going to turn that into something so magnificent, so enormous, so grand that we can't even dream that well, that good. It didn't make any sense to pack up our family and move to Texas. But you know what? It's been a fantastic blessing in our lives. People thought we were crazy. They said, don't do that. Folks, that was 20 years ago. And you know what? God has supplied every need that we've had. Through His provision. Folks, if you're called on to to act and you don't have time to pray, then don't act. 
When voices tell you that action is urgent and that something must be done immediately, refer it to the council of heaven. And if you are still in doubt, dare to stand still. If you learn anything from Joshua's experience here, recognize that the enemy comes to deceive. And you've got to make an alliance and you've got to do do something and decide right now. What if Joshua had said, we're going to wait and seek the Lord and let God decide if we're going to be allies with you or not? How different things may have turned out. You see, if you're called on to move in a certain direction and you cannot wait and you don't have the peace of God, then wait. Wait for God. Wait on God. See, be strong enough. Have courage enough. Be brave enough to dare to stand and wait on God. For no one who waits on him, will ever be ashamed. And truly, it's the only way to outmatch the devil is to wait on God. Remember, we have to put on the whole armor of God, be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And one more thing I want to tell you, watch out for moldy bread. It's good practice. Joshua and Israel, they thought they were making a treaty with people from a faraway land, but in the end they found themselves chained to the Gibeonites. Bound to the Gibeonites. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever bought a bag of goods and thought it was one thing and it ended up being something else? Maybe you're in the middle of that right now. You listened to your flesh. You listened to the devil. And now you're in a mess. Folks, that's what happens. But why not bring that to the Lord and let Him turn that around for you? Why not bring it to Him because he can, he can do something for you that you can't do yourself. I mean, maybe today you're not even saved. And if you've never confessed Jesus as your Savior and Lord, then the devil has you. He's got you. Maybe today you would like to come and give your life to him. Watch him save your soul and transform you for his glory. See, I don't know personally where each one of you are. But you do. And the Holy Spirit of God does. And He is at work in this place. And all I can say to you this morning is if God is drawing you, if God is calling you, is to surrender to Him. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. And if you need Him this morning, Please come. Please come. As he calls you, please come. Let's pray together. Loving Father, I thank you for your word. God, you are are an awesome God. 
I thank you for how your word speaks to us. Father, we clearly see your work in Joshua through his life. And Father, we're thankful that you are a God who gives second chances. And Father, even when we mess up, you are there to make something good out of our lives. Lord Jesus, I thank you for for your death on the cross. So Father, when I'm not all that I claim to be, that there is a forgiveness that is mine. Father, when I fall short of your glory, that you're there to redeem me. Father, when when I don't do the things that I should do or I say things that I shouldn't say, God, that your grace covers me. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of transformation in the lives of your people. Father, that we would recognize that we need you desperately. That, Father, we would not walk out of here on our own power. But, Father, that we would walk in the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit. Because we've surrendered to you. Lord, I ask that in this place, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in each of our hearts, in each of our lives. Father, that we would be transformed for all eternity because of you today. Lord, we love you. We ask that you would guide us as we seek you. And we ask this in the mighty and precious name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.